All right, why don't you turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, please. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, and the message is entitled, God's Role for Fathers. It has been said that children are like wet cement, implying parents only have a window time to mold, shape, and influence the life and character of their children. If you've ever worked cement, you know that. Once it sets up, drop your trawls, take your pads out, walk away, come and break it out the next day. You only have a certain amount of time. Now, whose imprint is upon your child in those malleable, moldable years of their lives? Yours or other people's? Paul now deals with the importance fathers play in the family. An awesome privilege and responsibility, gentlemen, and I'm going to be addressing you very directly tonight. In the mind of many adults, children have become a burden and liability, in many instances unwanted, evident by the abortion rate, divorce, and broken homes. Children keep parents from doing what they want to do today. Children demand too much time and are running neck and neck with mom's work. Kicks expect too much from mom and dad when they come home. So they are in their chat rooms, phones, texting, or online, or playing video games. It's a different world. Um, Diabetes and heart problems are epidemic between ages 12 to 25 today because much of the food kids consume is fast foods, not good healthy food, and no exercise except for these two thumbs. Interesting. Now, I'm talking out of 42 years of ministry. I've seen the American family progress downward for 42 years as a Christian. In the 80s, one-third of couples of childbearing age became permanently sterilized, and it continues to increase. 70% of young parents that worked in the 80s said they would not have children again. These statistics are not... Christian, they're secular. The U.S. Census Bureau predicted that married couples with children would account for only 20% of households back in the 80s. The U.S. today, in uh, June of 24, 2011, U.S. Census reported the population of the U.S. was dropping dramatically and households were more Dogs had more dogs, 43 million, than children. Wow. The problem that children and youth face today have been um, adult-created. And too often, to resolve those problems, parents have resorted to the psychologists and psychiatrists rather than being responsible and obedient to their roles of being parents. The educators, the professionals have been telling parents from the 70s to the year 2016 that parents don't know how to be parents or even are qualified over the professionals. So they have become the authority over child rearing and their methods that are filled with um, humanistic philosophies and often they lack morals and ethics, not to speak of good common sense. The end result is that the parental rights and authorities have been overruled by the government and the state under the guise of protecting children in this chaotic society they have created. 
And though I am very aware of the need to protect children from abusive adults, the injustice done to innocent parents and children by the government and state system by merely taking a person's accusations or suspicions is horrendous. Immediate action is taken, bringing destruction and heartache to the parents and the children, and yet you're guilty and you're not considered innocent, just the opposite of what our law says. And yet often ignoring the abuse of children towards parents by accusing them falsely or following the indoctrination of the educational system to that they can be liberated from their parents and to accuse them. This is the world we live in, ladies and gentlemen. The problem is that we, um, as a humanistic and godless society, have indoctrinated children of having authority over parents. Yet, they are children, and they do not have the capacity or maturity to exercise discretion and wisdom at all times as an adult. The rights of children against abuse and violence have always been on the law books. They're still there. The problem is that destruction to the innocent parents by removing the rightful authority over their children. But the failure of the parents to be parents should not be any surprise since we as a nation have done all to destroy the family and parenthood. by abdicating parental authority to the professionals tolerant of abortion, alternate lifestyles that corrupt and confuse society with lesbianism and homosexuality and pornography and the extreme rights of children, even taxing families rather than giving them a break. This is the world we live in today, ladies and gentlemen. But if you think the church has it bad here in America, you should read the New Testament. <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet. And so Paul the Apostle declared three things about the role of fathers. One verse, 6-4. He says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Here are the three th things about the role of a father. First, fathers are not to provoke their children to wrath. Second, fathers are to raise up their children. Third, fathers are to raise them up according to the Lord. First comes the fact that fathers are not to provoke their children to wrath. You would think that that's a dumb statement. Who would want to do that? Fathers, they're sinners. Simple. This is the negative, what parents are not to do. And it's addressed to the fathers. Now, I've taught this as parents, but the context as I'm, I'm going to address it is really the father itself, not parents. Certainly the mother should do all this, but he addresses the fathers. Now, the negative command is to fathers. as And you fathers, very, very directly... The particular word used for, by Paul for fathers is pater, and it refers to the male, the one who has fathered these children. The word is used of God, an earthly father, 
418 times in the New Testament. The title focuses on respect and honor of the father by the children. The title focuses on the honor, responsibility, and accountability of the father towards God and his children. In fact, many times in other countries that we know in Mexico and in Latin, Latin America, a child will say to his father, Señor, mande, sir, command me. There's that respect. Because that's the respect that you have towards the elder, especially your parents. Now, of the 418 times the word pater here appears in the New Testament, it is translated parents only one time for the father and mother of Moses in Hebrews 11.23. The usual word for parents, desinius, is found in verse 1 here of chapter 6. The same pattern and word order is followed in the sister epistle Colossians, Colossians 3, 20 and 21. Remember, Paul wrote these epistles during his first imprisonment in Rome. Now, most commentators interpret fathers here, patters, in our text to refer to parents, as I have also done that in the past, and I missed the mark. I went with the majority, so I was wrong along with them. <laughs> this is strictly to fathers. Let me give you some reasons why I've changed. First, as noted already, that only one of the 418 times the word is translated parents in Hebrews. Second, Ephesians uses specific terms for parents. Genius in chapter 6, verse 1. And fathers, pater, in chapter 6, verse 2. And mother, meter. So he's used different terms. But thirdly, if Paul was trying to indicate both parents, he would have used that first word in verse 1, genius. That is used for both the term father and mother. So based on the context and how he's addressing it, I believe he's speaking directly to fathers. Now, the address is to fathers in the plural also. This is the fourth reason. It's plural. The plural cannot be parents. It's a plural masculine. Fathers. Now, the safe fathers here were instructed to obey the biblical standard of life and practice because they had come out of different backgrounds. We'll look into that a little bit. The husband and father is the head of the home, the authority figure, as Ephesians 5.23 tells us. Fathers are the high priest of the home, responsible for the spiritual instruction and the standard for parenting. This does not discount the responsibility of the mother or accountability for parenting, but it is delegated authority under the headship of the man. This never means inferiority for the woman, but a protection and a support. The authority is never of the child. This is where our modern society has tremendously been gone wrong. The child is never in authority or control. Simple. Now, the particular command notice to fathers is very specific. Do not provoke your children to wrath. The word provoke means to irritate, exasperate, or enrage. We've all had an occasion to see something like that and we get furiated, don't you? Because the man is so much older and bigger and the child's just going crazy, right? Now, this is an imperative command, present active. This is to be going on constantly. 
the verb form is found only one other time for God provoking Israel to anger by grafting the Gentiles in in Romans 10, 19. It's the only other time. The noun form has already appeared in chapter 4, verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath. That's the noun form, wrath. Nor give place to the devil. The sister epistle, Colossians 3.21 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Here you have the reason behind the command. It's spelled out. Discouraged. The day of Paul were not that good for children as we've seen already in the role of children. Fathers are sinners in need of reminders always of their potential sinful nature. Paul was addressing fathers of different cultural backgrounds, but now they're born again. So now he can expect them to obey and to have the ability to do so. The primary responsibility of the home falls on the father, as we have seen, being entrusted by God with the authority and leadership of the home, being head of the home while a wife comes alongside to support and complete him, acting as one, not as equals in their roles. Yet no inferiority is implied. The worldly people, the secular people, will try to make Christians think that that means inferiority. Never. Christianity has exalted the woman above any secular society and protects them. Now, some were of the Jewish influence. Mothers care for the children under 12 years of age with the full authority of the father. The child... If a son became a son of the law, his bar mitzvah at age 13, and he was now responsible to God for keeping the law, and um, he would have to face God himself. Now, girls were under the complete authority of the father um, in the home, and rebellion was not tolerated by the children, male or female, and they were taken to the city gate, and they were stoned, Deuteronomy 21, 18 through 21. Others were the Greek culture that were being saved, and he's addressing them. The child was raised in a very liberal home, um, as today in our society. The Greek society was very sexually immoral. Fathers were not the best example. They were perverted in their worship of their gods. And still, others were of the Roman Empire. The homes were decadent. Fathers did not demonstrate much family love nor affection as in many homes today. Parental relationship was not the best example of responsible parents, very much like today. Now, the number of children that run away from home or did run away in 1971 to 76, so I want you to, as I give you the statistics, I want you to track what's happened to our nation. Double from previous years, an estimated 2 million that's 71 to 76. In the late 70s, 600 teenagers were found in New England prisons and gave these startling facts as to why they were there. Six of ten had fathers who drank to excess. Many had mothers in the same condition. Three of the four were permitted by parents to come and to go as they pleased, no parental oversight. Seven of ten had homes where no group or family activities were enjoyed. 
And for all of them, no family altar, no Sunday, no um, Sunday school attendance. In the year 2000, 104,176 Florida juveniles were arrested for delinquency. They were charged with committing 150,747 crimes. One in four were girls. Five years before, it was one in five. In 2000, it was higher. These are secular statistics. Every day in 206, between 1.3 to 2.8 million runaways and homeless youth live on the streets of America. One out of every seven children ran away before the age of 18. 2010, according to federal estimates, at least 1.6 million Jews and as many as 2.8 million ran away from home and are, or are kicked out every year back then. Some point out the number seems to be decreasing at that point, but numbers only look better because the number of children per household have dropped dramatically due to abortion, contraceptives, everything else. 23.6% of U.S. children, 17.4 million, live in father-absent homes in 2014. U.S. Census Bureau gives us that. In 2011, children living in female-headed homes with no spouse present had a, pervert, a poverty rate of 47.6. This is over four times the rate for children living with married couples and families. A study of 1,397, or 1 million, 397,801 infants in Florida evaluated how a lack of father involvement impacted infant mortality. This blew my mind. Listen carefully. A lack of fathers involved was linked to early births as well as lower birth weight. Researchers also found that father's absence increases the risk of infant mortality and that the mortality rate for infants within first 28 days of life is four times higher for those with absent fathers than those with involved fathers. Parental absence is also found to increase black, white infants' mortality almost fourfold. Wow. See, nothing has changed in 1,500 years since God gave these commands to Israel. Paul is still giving the same. Now, do you think we should change him since 2,000 years have passed? No. From God's perspective, nothing has changed. Fathers, let me give you some of the ways you can um, provoke your children to anger and discouragement. Make your child totally dependent on you for everything. Never let them grow up. Make decisions for themselves so they can never cope with society. Relieve, relive your life through them, your childhood. You didn't make it in baseball. By God, they're going to be professional ball players. You always want to be a dancer? Your daughter's going to be Shirley Temple, too, the second. Reverse the roles. Lean on your children. Bring upon them adult problems. 
overburden them. Don't listen to them. Stay busy. Don't be at home. Expect your children to do things beyond their age or ability in order to frustrate them and discourage them. Make sure their punishment is more severe than the offense to break their spirit. Discipline them in your anger. Humiliate them before people and make sure you're out of control. If you want to discourage your child, you want to make them angry, these are the ways you can do it. Be domineering. Never give reasons for your actions or decisions. Be capricious. And always, always insist on your way. Be inconsistent in your discipline. You'll totally confuse the child. Forget that he or she is a child and demand them to act like grown-ups. Never encourage them. Point out all their faults. Compare them to each other. Overcorrect them. Overprotect them. Abuse them physically. Worse yet, verbally. Neglect them. Nag them. Criticize them. Constantly. And favor one over another. Show little love and affection to them. Wow. There were babies they did experience World War II. Babies that died having no loving touch. They put babies on one side of nursery, the other one, a group they'd be held all the time and touched and spoken to. The other ones weren't touched. The ones that didn't die. God has made us in his image and his likeness for community, for love, for affection. Be their friend. Let them do everything they want without giving them boundaries or consequences at the expense of not being a parent. You see, parents can only be effective parents if they assume their God-given role according to the word and walk being filled with the Holy Spirit. It takes work. Reckoning the old man, Romans 6, 6, and 11, constantly. That's what we have to do as fathers. Denying ourselves, Matthew 16, 24, picking up our cross. Depending on the Lord for knowledge, wisdom, and strength through the scriptures, as Colossians 1, 9 through 11 says, constantly. You're a parent for the rest of your life. <laughs> fathers are uh, not to provoke their children to wrath, he says. Notice, secondly, Fathers are to raise up their children. This is the first of two positives. What they are to do. The first um, positive command is in sharp contrast to the preceding one. But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The word but again, you know, is a contrasting conjunction. Often if we know what we're not to do, we will better understand what we are to do. Rather than tearing our children down, we as fathers are to build them up. The command is an imperative present active again, ongoing. This is my responsibility. I'm the adult. I am the father. I am the head of the home. I am the high priest. The phrase, bring them up, means to rear or to nourish up to maturity. 
And the word in this verb form appears only one other time in the New Testament. Ephesians 5.29. Listen. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. This was and is the new responsibility of a father in Christ. The idea is to bring about development in every area of life as they grow. Their physical development, their emotional development, their spiritual development, their maturity at each level of growth and development. This takes time, dedication, commitment on the father's part. Sometimes that has been uh, lacking in many homes is exactly all of this in the last 56 years since the 1960s that I grew up. It's been ongoing progressively and more destructive. There are very dedicated parents, but they make their children sometimes their little gods. Some good moral pagans put some Christians to shame the way they raise their children. That is embarrassing. Many parents today have um, abdicated bringing up their children and just given it to others. Or worse yet, to the children themselves, Christians included. Some fathers have um, given their children up to the humanistic teaching of our public school system, especially high schools that look more like prisons and drug users. Um, and yet the majority or the average middle uh, of, of, of those high school students uh, belong to uh, average middle, upper middle class with parents that make a hundred to $250,000 a year. Wow. Fathers have given the children up to the psychologists, as I said earlier. And there are thousands of contradicting teachings and philosophies, particularly so-called Christian psychology, like grape nuts, neither grape nor nut. There's no such animal. Every bit of psychology is secular, humanistic. It's a contradiction to Scripture. Many children under some form of medication, Prozac, Ritalin, mind-altering drugs. Now listen to me carefully. Having said that, I am not speaking against medical treatment. If you have been treated, examined by a doctor, by a blood test, and medically, and there is a need for that, fine. The problem is this. They know the insurance kicks in for a while. So many times those things aren't done and you're put on that stuff right away. Now, before you didn't have a problem, now you do have a problem. They can get you on drugs. They just can't get you off them. And if they do, now they've altered your chemistry, right? Wow. You're on medication, stay on it. Read your word, pray to God. Come to church. Walk in the Spirit. If God heals you, you'll be the first to know, and then your doctor. Simple. 
Fathers have given their children up to nannies, mentors, coaches, sports, because dad is too busy making money. And mom is too busy feeling good about herself and feeling fulfilled through her career. Fathers have given up their children up to the children themselves by simply providing them with things or money to keep them occupied instead of being loving examples to teach and supervise them in their malleable years. Remember, children are wet cement. Fathers have given their children up to churches also, thinking that the church is responsible. If I go to church, then the church is supposed to teach them. No, no, no. We, we get your kid. If you come Sunday, midweek, and if, they, if you come on Tuesday, we get them three hours a week. Now, three hours a week, there's 24 hours in a day. The rest of the time, they're with you. They're looking at you. They're listening to you. They're trying to see who you are. You're the primary teacher. We'll do all that we can. We'll deal with issues, just like we do from the pulpit. But they live with you. And sometimes that's the problem. The context of our text is the home, not any other place. Uh, World Book Encyclopedia, 1974, on a campaign to sell books, said two important things. You probably won't find it today. Listen carefully. First, parents are the children's first teachers. Wow. How novel. Second, home is a child's first school. <laughs> Our homes and neighborhoods are ghost towns today. The level of accountability children are held to by parents and neighbors is zippo. The Word of God prioritizes the home as the primary and foundational educational center. Read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9, and there's other cross-references. Regarding the responsibility to God, regarding the responsibility to man, and regarding the responsibility to their children in the things of God. The important thing to remember is that no one is going to do for money what you will not do for love. Keep that in mind. No one is going to love and care for your child like you. No one. No professional knows your child like you if you spend time with them. If you don't spend time with them, you hardly know. We all have uh, heard of the statement, well, I, I spend quality time. Listen to me very carefully. You cannot have quality time without quantity of time. Is that clear? The studies in Time magazine on daycare included the, that kids who are in daycare more than 30 hours a week score higher on things like gets in a lot of fights, cruelty, explosive behavior, taking too, talking too much, argues a lot, and demands a lot of attention. Now the whole push is always, let us have your children, you send them to school when they're three years old, you make them little brainiacs. Not true. It's the state and government and the secular education that wants your child as soon as they can so they can mold them into their image, not yours. Is that clear? It's real simple. The child has not bonded with the mother. 
If she works, she spends 4,000 hours with her child from birth to 18. If she stays home, she pours 40,000 hours into her child. Wow. Someone else is pouring 36,000 hours into your child if you're not there, ladies. Is there any surprise they're more like the world and them than you? It's just simple. A study of 263 13 to 18-year-old adolescent women seeking psychological services found that adolescents from father-absent homes were 3.5 times more likely to experience pregnancy than adolescents from fathers present in homes. Moreover, the rate of pregnancy among adolescents from father-absent homes was 17.4 compared to the 4% rate in general adolescent population. A study of 1,618 Latino high school students ever into culture and races, let's look at that, found that lower perceived father support is a, a predictor of suicidal behavior. Wow. Disengaged in remote interactions of fathers with infants is a predictor predictor of early behavioral problems, they say, in children and can lead to externalizing behavior in children as early as age one. Again, we're creating the image and likeness of God. God created the home, a father, a mother, children. God's way, not our way. Fathers should um, be involved with their children regarding their mental development, very important. Half of an adult's intellectual development occurs by age four. Wow. Too often some people raise their kids like weeds. Nothing is done. They're the product of their own doing. By the age eight, no matter what environment or schooling, their mental ability will alter only 20%. That's scary. Now, the only exception is that they're born again. There's the key. But if they're not born again, they only alter 20%. Wow. Two-year-old takes in his first two years as much as a student in the four years of college. Are you helping your child in establishing their moral values, discretion, character, guidance for life? By the time a child is three years of age, the parents have established more than half of his or her character. Again, thank God for the divine nature. They're born again. They hear the word of God. They're trusting God. A child needs to feel loved and Physical contact is very important, as well as seeing love between a father and mother, affection. Do not allow psychologists to convince you that you have to go back into your past to relive all that junk or to blame others for what you have committed yourself. 
If you're in Christ, you're a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Old things pass away, everything becomes new. This philosophy is not new. It's recorded for us in the New Testament as the people were telling Jeremiah, our parents have eaten sour grapes and our teeth are on edge. It's my parents' fault. Nothing new. Jeremiah 31.29 This generation blames parents for everything. Codependent, right? Enablers. All the new lingo. Nothing new. Fathers should be involved in their children's physical development. My wife and I were very affectionate with our children and still are. And they're 38 and 40. I just came back from being with my son in Idaho and, you know, he's 38 years old. And take that sucker and kiss him. I don't care. He comes up to me and kisses me. It's just the way we grew up. Makes no difference. They're not embarrassed, and it's the same with our grandkids. Do you hug your child, kiss them, put your arms around them, wrestle with them? Some fathers get a little weird when their daughters start developing. They need you more than ever, fathers. Paul is addressing fathers. Because if you don't give them the attention, the affection, in the right way and instruct them, some young man will do that for you. Trust me. Absolutely. When born, your child's brain is one-fourth their adult size. At 18 months, it has half of their adult size. By four years of age, they have reached half of their adult height. By age six, 90% of the brain is already developed. Don't you want to be part of that? You know, people who uh, have seen my brother's movie, Fury to Freedom, have a very negative aspect of my father. Uh, but that's my brother's perspective. Um, I have great fond memories of my father. Let me tell you, my father never missed a day of work in his life. He took us camping. He went to our baseball games, my gymnastic competitions. He took care of the house, mowed the lawn, painted the house, everything. My father, as a pagan, put some Christians to shame. Did he drink? Absolutely. Was there vials in the home? Yes. I'm not excusing that. But it's very lopsided. <laughs> like I said, my father put some pastors to shame on how they deal with the responsibilities at home and as being a parent. Be involved with them about their bodies, the girl, as they develop, referring to all their body parts. Give them the right names when our kids were growing up. I said, these are the parts, this is what they're called. Now your friend's going to tell you all kinds of dirty things, okay? They tell you something, you don't know what it is, come and ask me. These are what it's called. This is what goes on. You are the teacher. Talk to them about sex. Dispel all the stupid stuff that's out there. If you don't, somebody else will. We pulled our kids out in junior high school over some classes they were giving about, uh, about sex. This is back, again, the early, um, sheesh, 80, mid-80s or so. You know? And they tried to say we couldn't do it. I said, watch me. There's no way. 
the church is not responsible to teach your children either. We will deal with it as we go through Scripture, but that's your responsibility. Fathers should be involved with their children's spiritual development also. Children are more receptive spiritually than we give them credit for. Have a family altar. Read the Word. Have devotionals. Be consistent in attending church. That's the greatest example you can as a father. Rain or shine, you're here. It's a privilege. It's obedience to God. Your love for God. They pick that up from you. Encourage and teach them how to study the Word of God, how to pray. Let them pray at dinner. When you're going to put them down in bed, you pray for me. You're sick. Take your little bottle. My grandkids do all the time. They have their little bottle of oil. Somebody's sick. They come and they dab you and they pray for you. Give them over to their heritage. Take every opportunity when God works in your life that you point that out. Don't wait till they're 18. They say, get out of here. I don't believe that. In the Old Testament, they would make monuments, a stack of stones here. Say, what does this mean? Well, this is where God divided the Red Sea. This is where God divided the Jordan. This is where, you know, put monuments. Tell your children. Write it down in your Bible. So they grow with these stories. So they can be encouraged to depend upon God when they're out there and you're not around. Again, he's addressing fathers. I remember my son X was five years old. And we're driving down the street and we're talking about the rapture. It's kind of weird when you start, your kids start having questions. And I was telling him about it. He was all bummed out. Dad, I don't want the rapture to come. You know, I'm having fun with my friends and all that. I said, X, are you having fun down here? Yeah. I said, well, it's going to be funner over there. Don't worry about it. And there's a couple of the times I had to deal with it, but that's it. You know, just, you don't need to go into the big old theological thing. You know, it's just common sense. Are you having fun here? Yeah, it's going to be a lot better. Don't worry about it. God's going to take care of it. Our sons and daughters have to be convinced by the Holy Spirit about the truth of Scripture. So you want to encourage them for their own relationship. Supervise your children and know how they, how, who they play with, where they go, where they spend the night. You just let your kid go spend the night some other way out, but they're a Christian family. What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything today. God commanded Israel to teach their children when they're in their houses, walking by the way, laying down. Deuteronomy 11, 19 through 20, and other passages. The Proverbs are full of spiritual counsel for, mis- for raising children, revealing they are a gift from God. A source of joy, a heritage, a reward given by God as a blessing, not a burden. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Psalm 127.3 The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Proverbs 23.24 So fathers are to raise up their children. Notice third and last, fathers are to raise up their children according to the Lord. Very, very simple. This is how they are to do it. Fathers are to do it in the training of the Lord. The word training there comes from the word tutorage, indicating what we do in the entire education and nurturing to cultivate the mind and the morals, implying disciplinary correction, and it's found only six times in the New Testament. The word is used for the scriptures profitable for instruction in 2 Timothy 3.16. That's the word. The word translated chastening and training, speaking of what we do in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. 
7, 8, and 11. Those are the six times it appears. The proverb teaches us to train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. Proverbs 22, 6. Now, people quote that all the time. But this, uh, this proverb, this exalts the efficiency of God's word to save a child, not a guarantee that he will continue if he gets into sin again or into the world, there's no guarantee he'll come back apart from his free will. It's not an absolute. If you raise him that he'll never going to depart, really? Where do we get that? It's Calvinistic doctrine. It's not in the Bible. We are told foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. Proverbs twenty-two, fifteen: a little rod, not a two-by-four. There's a padded place where you can get them. You're never going to get brain damage, okay? Real simple. We're further commanded to chasten our sons while there is hope and not set our heart on their crying. Proverbs 19.18 Many fathers do nothing but rather leave their children to themselves and in reality spend more time training their pets and their dogs than their children. Now, fathers are to do it, notice, in the admonition of the Lord. The word admonition refers to the training by what we say. First, what we do, now what we say. By our spoken words of warning, rebukes, appearing three times in the New Testament. Paul told the Corinthians that the things that happened to Israel were examples and written for our admonition and warning. First Corinthians 10 11. Paul told Titus that after the second admonition and warning to a divisive man, we are to reject him, Titus 3.10. So the bringing up of our children is dependent on these two important things. What we do, what we say. How simple can it get? Two things God knows we couldn't handle anymore. What we do, what we say. The two must be consistent and complementary. One without the other will bring about confusion to the child and destroy all parental authority, being the epitome of hypocrisy on the part of fathers, resulting in rebellion in the heart of a child. Timothy was trained and admonished, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, 3, 14 through 15 in the scriptures by his mother and grandmother. Eunice and Lois. In 2001, the closing comments from an article entitled Delinquency in Suburbia from the magazine, The American Enterprise, stated, quote, If America is to remain a humane nation, we will need real parents acting to keep their children's natural barbarism at bay while also offering them a noble personal code, an encouragement to seek a deeper and purer life. As many sad, affluent kids from across America can attest, money and freedom are simply no substitutes for that kind of hard guidance and love from mom and dad. European courts of human rights have become the ruling authority over parents. These courts 
have outlawed homeschooling in Germany, threatened families with seizures of their children and in prison. There has been conviction of parents wanting to educate their children on sexuality and force their children to attend four-day sexual education courses that violate the Christian faith. In fact, there have already been cases like this in the U.S. In the year 2009, a judge ordered a 10-year-old homeschooler in New Hampshire to attend public school because the girl appeared to reflect her mother's rigidity of questions of faith, saying it would, be, it would serve her own good by learning the different beliefs so she might select her own beliefs. What right does that stinking judge have? But that's where we're at, ladies and gentlemen. Researchers using secondary data from Interuniversity Consortium for Political Social Research examined gun carrying and drug trafficking in young men, linking father absence to the likelihood of engaging in these behaviors, resulting in of 835 juvenile male inmates found that father absence was the only disadvantage on the individual level and significant effect on gun carrying, drug trafficking, and co-occurring behavior. And just on and on and on. The effect of fathers in the home is so important. But if you're in the home being the father that God wants you to be, never perfect. We're not here to say perfection, but when we're Christians, we have a great, great potential. A study of the relationship between father absence and lower educational attainment for African-American females found that a, a longer duration of father's absence is a predictable factor for lower educational success. Researchers discovered that longer duration of father absence often leads to lower income and family economic stress, which puts young women at risk for lower educational achievements. Children with negative attitudes often about school and their teachers experience uh, avoidance and ambivalence with their fathers. On the other hand, children with a secure attachment to their fathers and whose fathers were involved had a higher academic self-concept. The father-child attachment was more associated with the child's social-emotional school outcome than the academic achievement. It's just simple. Father involvement is related to positive cognitive development and social behavior children outcome. Such improvement is even in weight gain in pattern in, 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 in infants when there's men around and the mother, that balance. I mean, in every every area, you just cannot ignore it. According to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, the number of children with an incarcerated father grew 79% between 1991 and 2007. Black fathers accounted for nearly half, 46% of all children with an incarcerated father. And yet we're in the midst of all these lies that are being said by our politicians and Black Lives Matter and everything else. Our whole Senate and Congress all said, hands up, a complete lie. Our leaders, in spite of the evidence. Wow. I would have never thought America would come to where we're at. 
But here we are. <laughs> Thank God I'm a Christian. 55.2% of WIC recipients are raised by single mothers. 482 of all Head Start recipients are from father-absent homes, and 37% of public assistance in Section 8 housing are female-headed households. Need I say anything else? Fathers have plenty of examples in scriptures of children left to themselves. Eli never corrected his children in 1 Samuel 2 as they stole from the offerings and laid with the women in the temple. God got them both and also Eli. David neglected his children. Terrible father. He didn't discipline his children. And so Amnon raped Tamar and Absalom killed Amnon. David's fault. Samuel was nurtured by a godly mother, but his sons did not walk with God. First Samuel 8, 1 and 3. But God didn't hold him responsible because he was godly. He must have confronted them, right? He wasn't like Eli. Fathers, um, you need to understand that we need to train and admonish our children completely. The purpose of discipline is to train the mind and character of the child to enable them to become spirit-controlled and constructive members of society. The purpose of punishment is to check the sin nature of a child and measure out tangible and proportionate amount of consequences for the wrong actions, revealing the related equality to the offense. Evidence of love. Physical consequences are not necessarily the first to be taken. Every child is different. Be consistent in keeping your word when you warn your child. We've all been in the store where mommy says, Johnny, if you do that one more time, well, Johnny knows he can do it 150 times before she does anything. Proverbs 24, 3, 4 says, Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled in all precious and pleasant riches. Father, we need to remember some important things. Parental authority is not to be compromised. Parental example of what is being taught strengthened, and parental authority opens up parental communication. Do not let your children use your BC days to turn the tables. It doesn't work. I wasn't a Christian until a certain point. You are being raised by godly parents in a Christian home. Parental love is the absolute essential expressed by punishment as well as permission. Absolutely. And so parental planning for family involves church. That's a strong foundation. Children are not the authority. The parents are. Correct your son, and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul, Proverbs twenty nine seventeen. Fathers, those of you who have families and have children of previous marriages or children out of wedlock, you need to take heed. They are your children, not just your mates. You marry a woman or a man with children, they're your children. Now, when there's a third wheel, third wheel's awkward. The one is of both of you is very important, so you protect your wife against your ex-wife. You deal with her. You don't let your wife deal with her. 
Simple. If your ex-wife is a non-believer, do all by the stipulations of the court so you cannot be accused falsely or be taken legally. Don't take anything at word. Do everything according to the courts. Be above reproach. The tendency of being divorced is not um, to correct or discipline a child uh, when they spend time with you because you want to make it up, but that's wrong. You need to discipline them because you spoil them. You destroy them. Both of you need to be one in your discipline and punishment. Never divide it. You may disagree apart, but when you come together before them, you're one. And you recognize the headship of the home, ladies. Psalm 58.3 says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born. Speaking lies. And you thought they were crying when they were born. They're telling lies. We're sinners from birth, ladies and gentlemen. So fathers are to raise up their children according to the Lord. Wow. Do you realize the society that Paul was addressing? Do you know how weird and extreme and radical this was? More than it is today. God never changes. So Paul the Apostle has provided for us a threefold instruction for the role of fathers. Fathers are not to provoke their children to wrath. Fathers are to bring their children up. Raise them. And fathers are to raise up their children according to the Lord. Wow. Goes like that, gentlemen. Like that. Now I'm seeing my grandkids. They're 23, 13, 11, and 9. I'm seeing it all over again. It's going faster this time than the first time. Wow. What an incredible privilege we have. What a joy if we do it in the Lord. Are there difficult times? You better count on them. <laughs> you're dealing with little sinners that you produced. And you're dealing with two sinners. that are attempting to be transformed by the grace of God. Father, thank you for your goodness, your grace, your love. Deal with our hearts. And Lord, we thank you for your instruction. Pray for all the men here, Lord. You just pour out your wisdom and grace over them. Minister to them, Lord. As you're praying, if you're here, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God has brought you here to be saved. If you don't know Christ, you need to repent of your sins so you might be a godly father, a godly mother, a godly person. If you believe Christ died for you, you can call on him. He will forgive you and give you a new heart, a new nature, by grace through faith. This is your prayer to him if you want to be born again. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen.